You are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now present the Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Health Hub. I'm Kathy Biasa, your host, and along with our producer, Alex Diaz, we would like to welcome you to our show this morning. Hey, Alex. Good morning, Kathy. A little, doing, little business there behind the scenes? Oh, yes, just a little bit, but uh, <laughs> don't know, I'm just in time. Well, excellent, about a excellent. second too late, but that's okay. Sorry about that. I caught you off guard. No, that's okay. I, I told you I was ready. So anyway, all okay. right. let's, let's proceed. It's all your fault. All your fault. Yeah. <laughs> let's proceed then. Okay, we'll jump right into it then. Today's show is being taped, so no opportunity for calling in. But please do visit our social sites. We're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And we are at the Health Hub RMC on all of those locations. And do feel free to email us at thh at radiomaria.ca. Please do subscribe to our podcast. We have wonderful, wonderful guests that are just, you know, just are meant to be heard. We are the Health Hub on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, all your favorite podcast platforms. And you can find our podcast on the Radio Maria Canada website, which is radiomaria.ca, and my website, which is Kathy BSA. We have just um, such a presence of a guest. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but after you listen to her, uh, you will understand why I explain her that way. She is just such a beautiful soul that is trying to change her area of the world one step at a time by by being authentic and telling her story. And her name is Krista O'Reilly Davy Diggy. And she works as a writer and joyful living educator at alifeinprogress.ca. As a stubborn questioner, hopeful reformer, and a highly sensitive human in a messy world, her motto is, you're imperfect, life is messy, show up anyways. Through her honest writing, brave and beautiful membership community, and private coaching, Krista comes alongside the brave and weary women who find their way to her work and offers compassionate, evidence-based, mind support, and hard-fought wisdom to help her clients or class members remember their way to freedom. We're going to talk about a lot of messy things today, um, among them why showing up through our fear is so important, and how to find hope in a messy world, and why truly living our authentic lives is enough. It's just a wonderful, wonderful conversation, uh, different from uh, most of what we have on our show. She is um, just an inspiration. She has such a story to tell. And I really do hope that you stay tuned with us and listen to her. Everybody, we will be back in a few moments to talk with Krista. Long ago foretold his birth He became the living word To show the human heart its worth Whoa, Whether I'm in want or plenty Whether I'm in health or ill Our God promises his children He will, he will He'll bind
are listening to Radio Maria Canada. We now continue with the program, The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi. Welcome back, everybody. As mentioned, today's show is being taped, so no opportunity to speak with Krista directly. Our podcast will have all our contact information if you'd like to get a hold of her. Uh, please do follow us on our social sites, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and we are at the Health Hub RMC on all locations. Krista, welcome to our show. Thank you for taking the time to uh, be with us today. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, you know, as I prepare for shows and I research guests, I'm always inspired by something. I don't have anyone on the show that isn't inspirational in one space or another. And as I was reading about you and the work that you do, I felt this, that I took a big, deep breath. And I imagine that's what a lot of people feel like when they listen to what you say, they, they see and understand your viewpoint. So I really want to bring that out to everyone today, because I think as you know, unless I'm way off the mark here, what you're, you're really trying to get across to a lot of the people that you work with is that we are enough. And um, I thank you for that. Now, Krista, you're very open about some traumas that you've had in your life. There will be some people that uh, don't know you as of yet and are just being introduced to you. So I would love for you to um, open up to us about, about you, your life, and how you, how you got to where you are today. Sure. Um, such a big, <laughs> big question. Um, I'll just, it is. Yeah, I'll dive on in. So, um, yeah, I think um, so. I struggled with anxiety from a really young age. I don't. I didn't ha- know that it was anxiety. I struggled with suicidality, um, and I really, from a very young age, felt like somehow I wasn't cut out for this world, and. Um, and so I was loved. I was brought up in a beautiful, loving home, a very um, social justice oriented home, though they didn't use that terminology, but um, I definitely believe that that would be accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so I was aware of poverty and famine and the um, suicide rates in the local Indigenous communities. And, um, you know, I, my parents cared deeply. They were adopting babies and um, walking out their values. And I have so much respect for them. But as a little person, I didn't know what to do with the depth of emotion I experienced. And that led to my anxiety and suicidal um, ideation. Um, I worked my butt off over the decades to begin to understand that I had lived with low-grade depression, you know, anxiety, about anxiety, about perfectionism, and all my other coping mechanisms, including, you know, I started doing drugs in grade seven to calm my anxiety, like just not looking to be high, just looking for some way to self-soothe. And I, when I went, you know, cold turkey around 21 or 20, I um, got rid of drugs and alcohol, but I hadn't developed the resources to know how to live and thrive in this world. So then I just kept looking, I, I say, you know, I was looking for freedom, but I kept picking up another set of chains. Um, you know, I moved from various forms of disordered eating to obsessive exercising or cleaning or whatever, just trying to feel safe in the world. Um, But I married a really wonderful guy um, and we have built a beautiful family together and together really grown and healed together. Um, And our oldest son, and I will say actually, because this is super relevant. Now I know that I was a highly sensitive, I am a highly sensitive person. And two of my kids are as well, including my oldest son, Jairus, who ended his life. Um, We're nearing 18 months now. Um, Jairus was a very gentle soul as well. And he definitely had to, he armored up to be able to survive in this world. Um, And he, in about, at about grade 12, I started noticing 
danger signs. And um, we had a, a long journey of trying to love and affirm and advocate for him and essentially keep him alive. But he, he told me the truth that he was leaving um, and I fought hard. I fought with everything in me to keep him here. Oh, um, but he left. And the last, you know, 17, 18 months, I have been struggling with PTSD, severe panic disorder. Um, but I will say with incredible gratitude, Kathy, that um, the past two weeks I have been panic free and I feel like I have my life back. Um, obviously, it's a life without my beautiful boy and um, lots and lots of processing and healing yet to, to work through. But, um, but yeah, and I, my youngest child also, she struggles with her mental health as well. Um, but she, I'm so happy to say that she does not carry any shame. So I carried shame and I had to work really hard to break off that shame on my, on my life and my, you know, who and how I am in the world and to really identify and honor my wiring and the gifts that I offer my son really carried a lot of shame and I believe that that was the thing that killed him. It wasn't struggle and it wasn't even his suffering. It was the shame attached to it. And um, so I'm so grateful that my youngest, she, she's a very open and strong advocate for the LGBTQ young folks and for people with um, mental health issues, she's just young. So it's, you know, she herself is struggling with um, trauma and panic and in trauma therapy, just like her mama. But um, yeah, so that's sort of how I got here. And all along my work at A Life in Progress has been to an attempt to offer a sense of freedom and acceptance like just helping you know even as I do the work for myself and I continue even today you know to go deeper and deeper into this work and into healing and freedom just I want to offer a little bit of light to other people who feel bad or wrong or broken or like they don't fit here in this world it somehow feels too heavy and I want to say like, there really is hope, there is light. And I think it really begins with self-awareness and understanding that, you know, understanding our wiring essentially. Krista, um, I'm so sorry for your loss, um, but through that loss and through telling the story, you honor your son and you honor, honor people who are struggling just like you. I'm not gonna even, pretend to step into your world. I just want to thank you for your story because I think through telling our stories of struggle, we reach so many people on such a deeper level. And the message that you share about you are enough, we just don't hear. We, we just don't hear enough about. How do you how do you work with people? How do they, how do they come to you and, and where do you start? Um, from the beginning. So I launched my business about five and a half years ago. And from the very start, people found me through my writing. And um, I would say that my writing is very imperfect, but it's definitely also very honest. Um, and people feel safe and seen and heard in it and, you know, and they kind of meander my, my direction. Um, in my work, I work with people in a few different ways. I'm not quite sure if that's what you were asking, but I'll, mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah, okay. So one of my favorite, favorite ways to um, gather together and create brave community. And um, I'm a very growth-minded person. It's one of the ways that I I survive and I thrive in this world, including through trauma, is I lean into my strengths. And one of them is that I love, you know, gathering in information and it holds me steady. So for instance, if I, you know, gather in information um, around a surviving trauma, it, um, even if my emotions are telling me, I can't do this, this is impossible, you know, 
I just keep doing the next right thing because I'm like, well, there's an evidence base for this. I'm just going to keep doing, you know, take one step and then another. So um, in my brave and beautiful membership community, um, there are women from all corners of the world, very different lifestyles, walks of life. And we come together and we deep dive into a topic every month. We practice together. We truth tell together. We, um, we love each other through hard times. And uh, essentially, yeah, we're learning and practicing how to allow ourselves to be seen, how to use our voice, um, you know, to remember that we are allowed, we have permission to be who and how we are in this world without shame or judgment. Um, I also have, you know, a, um, some seasonal mindfulness journals. I'm writing a couple books right now. Um, very slowly. I say I'm writing, but the truth is like, I haven't actually done much writing. I've signed a book contract, <laughs> but um, the, the panic disorder really had to take precedence. Like I needed to focus on my healing. And now I'm, you know, coming up into a, a spring season. I feel it in my bones. Um, and, you know, I'm going to be able to begin to more actively write that book that um, has actually, I started it about five years ago, but um, just one thing after another kept Lots of hard, hard things kept coming up and it just wasn't time and it wasn't time and now it's time. So um, I would do one-on-one -on -one client work with people as well. And, um, and I always try to offer a lot of free resources for people so that, you know, they don't have to spend a penny, but they can remember that, you know, they're worthy of love and they can connect with me and learn and hopefully find a bit of hope or inspiration for their, you know, their day. You talked about seasons and you feel the season is, is going to be bright for you. And, and this is something, this is a theme in your work, right? Seasonal living. Yes. It's definitely a strong, strong, strong thread. And are, are you talking about the four seasons of the year or what do you mean by seasonal living? Um, I, I do mean the seasons of the year, but that's only one tiny bit of it. So I love, and you may have done some of this in your work, Kathy, um, too, but I, I started focusing on seasons in terms of lunar tracking or, you know, the menstrual cycle, because my client, I started out my work focusing primarily on physical, well, mind, body health, absolutely. But um, helping women honor their wiring by learning about even the menstrual cycle. You know, that wasn't the whole thing, but that was one little seed that I had found was quite transformational for myself personally and then for the clients I was working with. So really looking at all of the ebb and flow and the um, looking to nature for wisdom in the sense of, you know, these patterns and rhythms that we see in our lives, in our bodies, in our lives, and outside in the natural world, patterns and shifting, you know, ebb and flow, light and dark, resting and doing, um, seasons where we feel more creative and those where we go inward and feel more introspective, um, so seasons, I love, love, love. I just love geeking out on this, but I love um, tuning into the seasons of our day even, like just the rhythms of um, North Circadian rhythm, Ultradian rhythm. So just all these like patterns that are at play in our life through the day, the month, the year, our life cycle. Um, and instead of being afraid of these things or resisting or judging it because we really do judge it we think something's wrong with us for instance if we have seasons where you know we feel hidden or like like seasons like i'm walking in they're dark they are hard sometimes you wonder if light will ever come again and seasonal living reminds me of the truth that spring always comes again um, so it removes judgment. It helps us rest. It helps us listen for the wisdom and the beauty in every season, whatever, you know, whichever season we're talking about, you know, in the natural world or in our internal world or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's a framework that I love. It feels gentle and compassionate and yeah, just, 
it helps me breathe. It's, it's beautiful, the thought process. And yes, I do work with rhythms, but I never, until this very moment, appreciated perhaps we have um, emotional rhythms. I mean, I appreciated it, but do we have thought rhythms that, that come out from the different seasons? And is that something that makes sense to you, like thought patterns that are seasonal? I don't ever think of thought patterns as distinct from these other seasons, but more as part of or tied up or tangled up with. And so an example would be, let's say somebody has struggled a lot with um, anxiety or depression. Let's just say depression. Um, We can end up, as soon as we start to feel those telltale signs, we can have our thoughts changed. They're often very fearful. We're, we're so afraid of going back into a hard, dark season that um, our brains take on they, you know, a different rhythm, so to speak. They, um, and so noticing that, you know, that's the self-awareness, like being able to mindfully notice these patterns that we have and the fearful thoughts or how the emotion lives in our bodies and sort of be, stay present with it um, not like reject it, not run away from it, not try to bypass, but be able to realize even that we are strong enough to do this work. We are strong enough to feel this discomfort and not fall apart. That then makes some room, some breathing room there where we can start looking for new joyful possibility and we can start, you know, we can't necessarily hundred percent alter our thinking patterns, but we can compassionately notice and listen to that voice, you know, like I believe in listening to what fear has to say, like not letting it rule my life at all, but, you know, not, but there's a lot of wisdom there and we can just say, you know, okay, I hear you. I hear you. And in that way, we befriend ourselves more completely. And, and in that, when we stay grounded in self-compassion and we befriend ourselves, now we actually can choose freedom. We can choose our path forward more consciously versus, um, you know, just going into these instinctive patterns of fear and, oh my God, like, what am I going to do? And I can't, you know, this is too hard and, and, and all of that. Um, so, so yes, I do believe that there are different, especially emotions, but I thought our thoughts and emotions are certainly tangled up together and I'm a very feely person. So I tend to first really focus on like the emotion that comes up in these different seasons. And then what are the thoughts attached to this? And how is this showing up in my body? And what happens if I, you know, continue down this train of more instinctive, habitual, learned, you know, behavior and patterning? I would love to say, um, I, in, you know, whoever's listening to this, Again, I, I would love to sort of draw our thoughts back to the idea that if it, being human is not a problem, having, you know, the having depression, anxiety is not actually the problem. It's the shame and judgment around it. That's the problem. Um, because we're all just human navigating a messy world. Not everybody lives with um, mental health issues, although we know that at least 25% of us do. Um, and but we all have struggle. We're all going to encounter hard things, right? And, and so for me, it's like learning, if we remove shame and judgment from just being human, all of a sudden we realize I'm safe here. I am capable of being here and not crumbling. And um, Viktor Frankl has this quote that I love, 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 and I don't have it in front of me, but it's something like, um, between impulse and response is a, there lies a space. And in that space is our power to choose our response, something like that. And I love that. And I just envision like this, creating a bit of space between myself and the fear, myself and the situation. And so that there's some breathing room in there and then some freedom in which I get to choose my way forward. 
And I'm just going to add one more caveat because in honor of my beautiful son, Jairus, who's no longer here, sometimes we're no longer in a place where we can choose. And that's, we really need each other. I think we always need each other. We don't need to wait till crises. We need each other. We need, you know, systems, community care. We need, um, we need a lot of things and we don't have to do it alone. And I want to acknowledge that as much as I talk about choice and permission and freedom, there are times where we're in a dark place and we can no longer choose. We need other people to come alongside and lift us up. Mm-hmm. Chris, it's beautiful. You know, I, I, I don't want to interject anywhere because everything you're saying is such a powerful message. Um, let's take a quick break here and we will rejoin this conversation in just a few minutes, everybody. I didn't know what it hurt like to be broken Then how would I know what it feels like to be whole If I didn't know what it cuts like to be rejected Then I wouldn't know the joy of coming home Maybe it's okay If I'm not okay Cause the one who holds the world Is holding on to me Maybe it's alright If I'm not alright Cause the one who holds the stars Is holding my whole life If I didn't know I didn't know To be dirty Then I would know what it feels like To be clean And if all of my shame hadn't drove me To hide in the shadows Then I would know the beauty Of being free Canada, a Catholic voice wherever you are. To contact us and be a part of the show, email thh at radiomaria.ca. We now continue with the program. Here once again is your host, Kathy Biasi. 
Welcome back, everybody. We're having just such a wonderful, wonderful conversation with Krista here. Now, Krista, you said, you know, in some part of the show earlier that you weren't a very good writer, but uh, in 2015, you wrote uh, an article or a blog post entitled, What If All I Want Is a Mediocre Life? And that resonated worldwide. And I don't know if this is how you took off. I don't know if this is where you took your cue from, but... Why was this post so impactful? Yeah, um, I, I wrote it in tears. I wrote it on my bed, just tears, like falling down, just, it was really, honest to goodness, I didn't think anybody would read it. Like, I, you know, I, I had made a commitment to myself to post once a week because I was learning how to show up through fear and so my goal for, for those early years of my business was not to write well, not to be read. It was to tell the truth, to just practice showing up through fear myself. So anyways, it was really just this honest, honest, you know, writing and a glimpse into my spirit or my soul or my body, my emotion at that little, in that snapshot of time. Um, and so I think probably just the honesty of it, just, you know, there's no pretense. It just, I think that spoke to people, but I also think there's this hunger for people to know they're already good enough. They're already lovable. They're allowed to love themselves right now in the middle of the storm. And like I mentioned earlier, I'm a growth-minded person. I love to learn. I love gobbling up all the information. Um, and also, I am a highly sensitive soul who needs breathing room and solitude and sleep and a lot of space to be just thinking and connecting the dots and um, in my own internal world, kind of making sense of things. And so... I, yeah, I just think that so many people are hungry for another voice out there, you know, reminding them that, you know what, like we're, yeah, we're messy. Yes, we're imperfect. Life is really hard. And also, um, it's beautiful. And also, you are knit together on purpose. And yeah, I think it... I think that it helps to highlight the truth that, you know, we can find beauty in simplicity and mm -hmm. we don't, you know, beauty in, even in the midst of imperfection and thank goodness for that, because I don't know if I could survive a loss like this, like losing my child, mm -hmm. if I didn't already have these roots, you know, that hold me that remind me that even here, you know, beauty and pain and, you know, grief and joy, they just live side by side in a full, beautiful, meaningful life. That's so beautiful. It's just so beautiful. Um, why are we striving for perfection? Why are we striving to do more, to be more and have this, this such a negative uh, there's such a negative connotation with just living life as life comes to us and not having to be on this spinning wheel of trying and achieving. And, and how has this happened? You, and before you answer that, you, you know, you talk about people wanting to have um, to identify with real people. And you see, you know, you were probably a pioneer in this because you, even on social media, even people who train on social media, now the word is be authentic. And that's what people resonate with. So you were far, far ahead of your time. But where has this notion come from, do you think? Is this part of the unraveling is to stop reaching so far, so wide, so high? Well, I don't have the answer for that question. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I don't know, but I, I do see that, you know, Western culture is, you know, more problematic in this area. 
than certain other cultures. So as an example, um, we're going to head there here in our conversation, I think, but um, this research, it was a, um, from, I think it was Australian, it was about highly sensitive person, highly sensitive people, and what are the, you know, what helps them live with a sense of well-being. And I loved how they defined um, these Western cultures where the highly sensitive person really struggles and they called them weird cultures, Western, educated, industrialized. And I can't remember the rest, but I, I loved that weird cultures. Now, on the other hand, I, I think I'm weird and I like that. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, so I don't know. I don't have all of those answers. And all I know is that it isn't working for all of us. And, um, you know, some people thrive. I, I, I guess I'd love to say this. You know, some people thrive in more busyness, and I admire that too. That also isn't wrong if they're genuinely thriving. So I, you know, I'm thinking about like doctors first, like poor doctors, like like they're, you know, they work so hard, and I, they sacrifice so much, including I believe their health a lot of the time to do the work that they feel called to, um, I'm grateful for doctors. You know, I'm grateful for ER nurses. I am grateful for so many people who are different from me. And so for me, the goal is not for us to look the same and be the same at all. It's to create a kinder, safer world that honors diversity. Mm-hmm. An acceptance of all. And there's not, you know, this, I, I, I agree with what you're saying. We tend to, though, honor in our Western world, as you say, those that are go, do, strive, achieve. Mm-hmm. And yes. that is just not attainable for everybody. And sometimes when you are in that loop and you find you have some happiness, even just stepping back for a little bit and taking a breather um, is, is just a great thing. Now, part of what we we're going to get into that you alluded to is this whole idea that some people are just so greatly and profoundly um, emotional and they feel deeply and this can be a good thing but this can also be um, a very hard thing to handle and this this idea of empaths is creeping into our language more and more and do you consider this a true emotion a true state of being being an empath well um i would defer to the experts and so um so I, I, I'd like to start by making a distinction between being an empath and being a highly sensitive person. So being a, so high sensitivity is actually a real trait. Um, and science acknowledges that, that it exists in 15 to 20% of the human, of human population and also much of the, if not all of the animal kingdom as well. And um, it's believed to be a, um, a trait that was developed in us for the survival of the species, <laughs> because those of us who are highly sensitive, we're, we tend to be very compassionate, very um, kind of peace-oriented, social justice-oriented. So we um, we're needed to keep to, you know keep our communities safe and healthy and loving each other. So, um, so that is, I, you know, I can't remember right now, you know, what the proper um, terminology is, but it's a proven trait. Um, and so if you, but like so many human traits, it exists on a spectrum. So we're not either, you know, empathic or not, there's a sensitivity scale, so to speak. And um I am very, very high up on that sensitivity scale, super duper high. And if you, and way, way, way at the top would be the empath. Mm-hmm. Um, and the um, being an empath is not something that I think it, there's no, um, again, I wish I could, my brain was like allowing me to, you know, remember the, the specific traits, but, or the, sorry, the terminology, but it's like, I don't think that being an empath, I don't think that any of the scales or anything have been sort of, um, uh, like, it's not necessarily like, uh, that something that can be proved, like it's mm-hmm. proven in science or has a strong evidence base or something like that. Right. Um, 
But, um, but nonetheless, it's very, so there are people like Dr. Judith Orloff, I think is her name. I might have that wrong. She's a psychiatrist who specializes in um, supporting empathic people. Mm-hmm. And so I would just defer to her and her work and say, you know, or, you know, other people who are, you know, highly trained in this field and they do believe in this trait and they see it, you know, at work and they see the healing and the freedom that comes when people learn about being an empath. But um, yeah, being a highly sensitive person is learning about this. It is life-changing and life-giving. Um, I wish I learned about this only in my early forties. I'm, you know, 49 Um, I so, so wish that I had learned about it earlier because I, there are a lot of people I think dying or thinking that, you know, living with a lot of struggle simply because again, you know, they think they're wrong, bad or broken and they're not. It's, it's just that they live in a culture that was never, never, it was, it's not set up for them. You know, our school systems are, you know, nothing. They, if you can't function in this nine to five, um, thing, you know, way of being, you fall through the cracks. And, and some of us literally cannot survive and thrive in what other people might think is just, you know, basic, I don't know, basic humaning 101, like, mm-hmm. But it isn't. Our nervous systems are wired differently. Our brains are wired differently, and we need um, we need a shift. And I think it's urgent. Like we urgently need a shift in the way that we um, love and support people, but also a shift in even like I'll just sort of come down into a micro level. I would start with the education system um, and how we make it accessible for kids, for youth who can't function in that system, like highly, you know, intelligent people, like, like my two of my children who cannot manage that, um, you know, day to day, you know, um, I, I'm stumbling over my words here, but um, essentially, no, but it's like, clear. It's clear. Okay. So compartmentalizing these kids in a system that isn't serving them. And then they're judged, they're labeled, they're yeah. shamed, they fall through the cracks, they drop out of school, they, um, they turn towards addiction because nobody's helping them mm-hmm. learn, like find other healthier um, ways of calming their nervous systems, accessing and identifying even their gifting. All they know is something's wrong with me. I don't fit here. Therefore I'm bad. And it, like, that's just like BS. <laughs> that's not true. And, and, you know, this is a physiological thing. So, you know, the mental health and, and this is, you know, it's, we've come a long way in that aspect where it's not just mental health versus physical health. They meld into each other, which you are bringing forth here. Then who, who would come to see you? Who's your client? Well, I have been delighted by this, um, that, um, I'll, th- I'll just focus right now now on my, well, it doesn't matter, clients or membership. So they're generally um, women in the middle stage of life, but that's, they self-identify. And so, you know, they range primarily from late 30s, kind of early 40s, all the way up to 70-ish. That, I just love it. Um, They are definitely growth-minded people. So my work is not light and fluffy. Um, I'm not interested in giving you rules. Like I'm interested in helping you do some hard soul-stretching work. And um, so, you know, people who are not in immediate crises and they are ready to do some harder work. They love to learn, um, but they, they're ready to shake off the shame and judgment. They may not even know what that, you know, they may even struggle with believing it's possible, but there's at least this one tiny seed of hope or joyful possibility that 
leads them to believe that um, maybe I can do this. And I think that just because I'm a truth teller and I'm willing to just be super honest, it gives them hope. It, you know, I, I, I never, never pretend like I'm standing on some pedestal, you know, I'm like, here I am getting my, you know, knees bloodied, hands dirty, heart broken open, doing the work with you. So um, they come from different corners of the world, often though they are, you know, they might have multiple degrees, they've had successful careers, like, and they're looking for this sense of freedom and permission. And finally, you know, can I love myself? Can I, you know, at this stage of the game, am I allowed to stop judging myself or trying to keep up or measure up against these impossible standards? And, you know, um, yeah. Are you, are you a therapist? Would you classify yourself? Or are you part of a team that might include a therapist? No, I'm not a therapist or a doctor. Um, I like, I like to say I'm a fellow sojourner. Um, no, you do I, have I, a way with words, Krista. I don't know why you say you're not a writer. Well, well, thank you. I love words so much. I do love words. And I think that I'm go, I'm going to, um, you know, like all things you grow into. So as you practice, I've wanted to be a writer forever and well, not forever, but since university. Um, and, I, but I, yeah, I, you know, I guess that's a separate conversation. So am <laughs> I the best writer out there? No. Do I need to be? No. I love, love, love just sidebar and Lamott's writing. Um, I don't, are you familiar with Anne? Siding? I'm not, I'm not. Anne is so honest about her struggle with suicidality, with with all these hard life things. I just love her, and um, and is she absolutely like the most poetic writer? Or anything? No. And is she an incredible life changing author? Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's what I want to do. I really, truly. Um, I do want people to read my words and feel seen and heard, to cry, to laugh, to feel. And um, and so I don't think I have to be the best, you know, writer to do that. I just need to be real. So anyways, um, where were we? We were with, um, you're part of a team. Oh, the therapy. Yeah. Okay. So um, yeah, lots and lots, probably the majority of my clients clients come to me and hire me as part of their support team. I'm a huge advocate for gathering in our support teams. I myself currently have a naturopath, a fabulous medical doctor, a trauma therapist, beautiful friends. Like my, you know, my own work offers me community and support. So I'm a big believer. And this, this isn't, wasn't my pattern, by the way, Um, As a strong introvert, a highly sensitive person with a mean inner critic, I tended to isolate, especially when I wasn't doing well. And in isolation, I would spiral down fast and hard. So I've had to learn to move against that tendency to reach out. You know, even if it's a text, I'm not doing well, I tell the truth. I just reach out to a girlfriend or whatever. So gather in your support team. So, um, yeah, my clients often do have, you know, a therapist and a psychiatrist, maybe if they're, you know, and a medical doctor and all the things. And um, I offer something that those people can't, you know, they're working within their scope of practice and their, and also I would say their limitations. Um, I, I am so grateful for every member of my support team and there are limitations to every one of them. Um, strengths also. And so, but the nature of my work is that I can spend more time with somebody and we can go deeper and I can offer sort of more extended support and also lived experience um, as an educator. You know, I feel I primarily I am an educator and um, but also somebody who's getting my hands dirty and doing the work with you. Well, you'd be such an addition to any team. Uh, It's just been such a pleasure, Krista, meeting you and listening to you speak. You're a voice that needs to be heard. And I just thank you so much for taking the time to be on our show today. And just before we we jump off here, where is the best place for people to reach you? My website, alifeinprogress.ca. And um, 
and my brave and beautiful community is the doors are opened and new people can join me in May inside of there if anybody is curious. Wonderful. Krista, thank you again for joining us. It's been such a pleasure speaking with you. Oh, thanks for having me, Kathy. It's been nice to meet you too. Thank you. Everybody, we'll talk to you next week on The Health Hub. have been listening to The Health Hub, hosted by Kathy Biasi, here on Radio Maria Canada.